have taken them at least three or four days, especially when you consider that the Bible says that Mary was with child. Now, it's interesting that the Bible never mentions that Mary traveled on a donkey. Uh, that, that picture comes from what's known as the Proto-Evangelium of James. That's a non-biblical account that was written in the second century. It was written in the 100s. So it was not long after uh, the last of the apostles and the disciples and all of those who would have been alive when Jesus was on the earth died. But that's where we get that story from. It, the, the account actually says this. There was an order from the Emperor Augustus that all in Bethlehem of Judea should be enrolled. And Joseph said, I shall enroll my sons. But what shall I do with this maiden? How shall I enroll her? As my wife? I'm ashamed. As my daughter then? But all the sons of Israel know that she's not my daughter. The day of the Lord shall itself bring it to pass as the Lord will. And he saddled the donkey and set her upon it. And his son led it. And Joseph followed. Now that's a pretty interesting picture. Uh, this, this picture is Joseph as kind of an older man who already had kids from a, a wife who had passed away previously. And it uh, makes sense that he was older because he's not mentioned, mentioned again in the Bible after uh, Jesus was in the temple at 12 years old. We don't, we don't see Joseph in the picture anymore. He might have been an older man. I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to stir things up. I'm just putting it out there. That's, that's where the story uh, comes from that Mary actually traveled on a donkey. And it makes sense because that's how most people traveled back then. Even those who were poor, uh, for the most part, used donkeys as a mode of transportation. But they also would have more than likely traveled in a caravan. It wouldn't have been Joseph and Mary traveling down this road by themselves. The, the main thoroughfares, especially back in that day, were very dangerous places. Uh, robbers and bandits and, and uh, all kinds of people looking to take advantage of somebody traveling alone would have been out there, especially if these people were on their way to Bethlehem to be taxed. They knew that they would have had money with them, and so it would have been a lot more of a dangerous situation. They more than likely traveled in a big caravan to, to Bethlehem. And those are not all, you know, regardless of how they got there, they made it to Bethlehem in fulfillment of God's plan. God said that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, and that's how it was going to happen, and it did. Jesus is born. The shepherds are the great receivers of the announcement that was made by the angels. They run into Bethlehem. They find Jesus in the manger, as the angels said they would. By the way, the manger is not a typical manger like we have pictured up here. The manger that they would more than likely have used was made out of stone. It looked more like a bathtub. Uh, made out of stone than a typical wooden manger that we think of today. Uh, and again, all of these things have just, of course, it's a whole lot easier to build something out of wood than it is to carry a big stone around. That's probably why the manger's uh, pictured the way it is today. But a lot of pictures in that story, the, the account of the wise men is not found in Luke chapter 2. It's actually found in Matthew chapter 2. And do you know that the wise men, and, and of course, anytime you have a, a manger scene pictured, you see Mary and Joseph, and you see the baby laying in the manger, and you see the, the donkeys and the sheep and, and the wise men, and there they are with their gifts that they're presenting to Jesus. That's not how it would have happened on the, the morning or the day that Jesus was born. The shepherds were there. They came. They saw Jesus there in that manger. But the wise men, the, the story that we find of the wise men is not found in Luke chapter 2. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. And it was more than likely almost a couple of years after Jesus was born that they came. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. There's a lot of liberty that's been taken in most of the Christmas stories. But those are all very familiar characters in the Christmas story. But I want to introduce you to a character that is rarely mentioned when we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. Eight days after Jesus was born, 
he went through what was uh, the ceremonial uh, process after a baby is born, a Jewish baby was born. After the eighth day, he was taken and he was circumcised, and then he was given his name. They would not have said there in the, uh, in the stable, his name is Jesus. They didn't, meant, they, didn't, they didn't give the baby their name until eight days later, but Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, and they presented him before God, and there, as was custom, they made their sacrifice uh, that they were supposed to make as they dedicated that baby to God. But you know, Mary and Joseph did not have the money to offer a, a bull on the altar. They didn't have the money to offer a lamb on the altar. They had enough money to offer what was the least and cheapest sacrifice allowed by the law, two turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's all they could afford to pay. And we're introduced to a very wonderful man in Luke chapter 2 in verse number 25, and it says this, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. There are millions of books that are written on how to live. Very few on how to die. Lots of people want to teach us on how to live uh, healthy enough to postpone death through healthy living and through lots of different other ways. And I'm not opposed to that by any stretch. But there are very few that teach us on how to face death when that healthy living is fading. Even if we do summon up the courage to talk about death, who can we trust on the subject? There aren't exactly very many people that can speak with experience about how to die. But many of us don't think about that. Many of us try to postpone that. A lot of people can help us to live, but who can help us die? Here in Luke chapter 2, we have a story of a dying man, Simeon, cuddling a newborn baby that helped him to die. What was it about the new life of this baby Jesus that gave Simeon a new view of death? This Christmas Sunday morning, I want to talk to you about dying in peace like Simeon. Dying in peace like Simeon. Let's pray, and we'll look at a few things from this passage this morning. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for Christmas and everything that it means to us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be born so that he could die for us. I pray that you... Help us this morning as we look through some of these passages and uh, hear the message that you've given this morning that would, that, that would help every single person in this auditorium this morning to be prepared for when the time comes that they take their last breath on this earth. pray that you'd help us to be able to die in peace like Simeon did. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want to say this. Everyone is going to die someday. And I know that sounds, you know, that may be a morbid topic for Christmas, but it's a fact of life. Every single one of us is going to die someday. The moment you begin to live is the moment that you begin to die. In fact, turn over to Hebrews chapter 9, if you will, because I want to say this this morning. If you don't prepare for death before it happens, it'll be too late. You can't make plans for death after death happens. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die. No one has figured out immortality yet, and the chances are very high that in your lifetime nobody will. Immortality is only for those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But the second thing I want you to see is this. Jesus' birth helps us die. What about the darkness of death? Death is dark. For most people in the world today, it's a gloomy experience for the one that's dying and for the loved ones that are standing around there as that person is dying. I've lost those that I was very close to. I've lost my mother. I've lost my father-in-law. I've lost others that I was very close to. I'm not saying that, that it's an enjoyable experience. Well, I love it. I can't wait till the next time I get to sit next to somebody's bedside as they're dying. I'm not saying that. But for most people, what comes after death is dim and mysterious. Why do we have to die? What's the purpose of death? What's next? It's murky and it's, and it's shadowy and it's somber. But not for Simeon. Not for Simeon. Not here in Luke chapter 2. Seeing Jesus turn the lights on for him, so to speak. He could depart in peace because Jesus was, as it says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Simeon identified that, that bright glory cloud that we saw in the Old Testament uh, that shepherded Israel through the wilderness as the Son of God that he was snuggling in his arms. What was cloud and fire was now flesh and blood. That light of Israel was now being revealed to the Gentiles as well. That's us, and that's great news. Jesus Christ didn't just come for the Jews. He came for the Gentiles as well. He came for all people. Doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are. Doesn't matter what gender you are. He came for all of us. He died on the cross for every single one of us. And I think the reason that so many folks fear death and dying is because of the, the weight of sin on their shoulders. Every one of us is a sinner. And even though the Bible tells us that we are all sinners and that there is a payment for sin, I think we all inherently know that. And that weight of sin just, just weighs very heavily on the shoulders of someone that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I, I read a story about a little boy who was, he, he approached Santa in the department store. And he had a long list of all the things that he wanted for Christmas. He wanted a bicycle and a sled, and he wanted a chemical set and a, a, a cowboy suit. He wanted a set of trains. He wanted a pair of roller skates and a baseball glove. And Santa said, boy, that's, that's a pretty big list you've got there. He said, uh... I'll have to check my book and see if you were a good boy this year. And, and, and that little boy said, no, 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 never mind. I'll just take the roller skates. <laughs> I think the re a lot of us, every one of us knows inherently that we have done bad things. Every, every one of us knows that we are a sinner. The Bible makes it very clear, though, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. and says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, we cannot get into heaven. As hard as we try, and there's a lot of people who do try to get into heaven through a back door, so to speak. They try to go around the plan of salvation. And they say, well, maybe I can be a good enough person to get into heaven by myself. Maybe I can do enough good in this world. Maybe I can change the world, and that'll get me in. The Bible says, no, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And I know that's, that's a morbid thing, but it's a fact of life, and every single one of us has to meet that fact head on. And if we decide that we're going to ignore it until we die, then it's too late. You've got to meet that fact head on while you still have time. But the reason that we can have hope in death is because Jesus replaced the darkness of ignorance and doubt and depression with the light of knowledge and assurance and confidence. We now know what's happening after death. 
We know what is after death. We know where we're going in death, all because of Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth helps us to die with his light. One Christmas Eve, a man sat there. He was, he was alone, and he sat there in front of the fireplace just kind of watching, uh, watching the fire burn. They call, they call a fire nature's television because you can just sit there and stare at it for, for hours on end. I don't know if you've ever done a lot of camping or things like that. We do, and boy, you can just sit there and just stare at that fire. But that's, that's what this man was doing on that Christmas Eve. He was sitting there alone, and he was just thinking about some different things. And he, he came to the, to, to, to around to thinking about the story of Jesus Christ coming down and being born. And he said, you know, there's, there's no point to it. There's no point to a God who becomes man. Why would an all-powerful God want to share even one of his precious moments with the likes of man? Even if he did, why would he choose to be born in an animal stall? Why would he choose to be placed in a manger of all things? He was, he was the God of heaven if he was going to come down. He could have he picked any palace he wanted to be born into. He could have accomplished the same thing. Why would, why would he do that? I'm sure that if God really wanted to come down to earth, he would have chosen some other way. And about that same time, he, he was roused from his thoughts by this strange noise outside. And so he went out and he opened the door and I uh, saw this small gaggle of blue geese frantically flopping around in the snow. And, they, and it appears what had happened to him. They, they just seemed dazed and confused. And so apparently they had dropped out of, a, out of exhaustion from one of the flight formations of, of these Arctic geese that were flying down to the warmer climate of the Gulf of Mexico. They just ran out of energy and there they landed in his yard. And they were flopping around and he could tell they were obviously cold and probably didn't have a whole lot of energy left. He's moved with compassion on these geese because he thought, boy, what these poor things. He tried to shoo them into his garage. And the, the more he got out there and tried to shoo them into his garage, the more they got wound up and the more they got, they got frightened and, and tried to run away from where he was trying to get them into. He said, if only they realized that what I'm trying to do is, is good for them. I'm trying to help them. But how can I make them understand? How can I help them realize that, that by me shooing them into, into the garage, that's going to give them a soft, warm place where they can rest and recuperate and get out of this cold? And then he thought, you know what? If only I could communicate with them somehow. If only I could become a, a goose for just a couple minutes and, and communicate to them in their own language and tell them that what I'm trying to do is the best thing for them. Suddenly it hit him. Suddenly he realized the Christmas story no longer seemed absurd. Suddenly he, he realized that, that this ordinary looking infant lying in the manger in that stable in Bethlehem, and he knew the answer to his Christmas problem, God had become one of us so that he could tell us that he loves us. God had to become a man so that he could be like us and show us exactly what his message was that he was trying to get across. It's that role of Christ's birth, but if that was the role of his birth, then what about his death? Which brings us then to the third point. Jesus' death helps us to die. Turn back over to Luke chapter 2. Although Jesus came to, to give us light, to turn the lights on, a lot of people wanted to turn his light off. Simeon predicted that. He said that, you know, despite saving other people from death, Jesus Christ himself would be put to death. And I think Mary especially, but even Joseph had an understanding of, of just exactly who it was that they were cradling in their arms there in Bethlehem. And then, of course, as they took him into the, 
temple and dedicated him to God. Mary had an idea of just what was coming, but if she didn't, or if she only had a slight idea, Simeon makes it very clear in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 34. Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, Simeon looked at this precious baby, and he saw that a sword would pierce not only his mother's heart, but his own soul too. However, the sharp blade would would not just separate the molecules of flesh, but also people. It would reveal who they truly are before God. That's what he says there at the end of that verse, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That, that baby coming to this earth was going to reveal the sinful hearts of man. Our hope of life after death is Christ's life and death. He came as a baby. He lived a sinless life. And by the way, it had to be that way. He had to be sinless in order to be able to pay for that sin. The, the, he had to be born of a virgin so that the sinful nature of, of Adam that was passed to all men would not stain his perfect blood. Had he been born in the line of this human race, then he would not have been sinless. He would have been born in sin, just like you and I are. But the miracle of the virgin birth, he was born of a virgin so that we could be saved. And though those things are true according to the word of God, he was born in that way only so that he could die. We all die after we live. But Jesus was born just so that he could die. Hebrews chapter 9, I won't ask you to turn back over there, but the next verse after the one we read, verse number 28, says this, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That's what the gift of God was to us. It was his son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 16 is probably one of the most familiar verses in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse number 17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Adrian Rogers rewrote the classic poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Here's what he wrote. He said, Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Son of God from heaven above for sinners here below. Mary's son, eternal God, he, the great I am, with wool so white on Christmas night became a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. That spotless lamb was crucified to pay the debt I owe. O spotless lamb with wool so white, thy crimson blood I know can take away my crimson sin and wash me white as snow. I thank God for Mary's little lamb that died on the cross. But I want you to understand this lastly, and if you're not in Luke chapter 2 already, then please go back there. Jesus' peace helps us to die. When Jesus' parents took him to the temple to present him to the Lord, God arranged for them to meet an old spirit-filled believer named Simeon. God had promised Simeon that he was going to see the Savior before he died. And the Lord led him by the Spirit to meet Jesus that day. And when Simeon met Jesus, he took him up in his arms, blessed God. And he said this in verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. 
As soon as he saw Jesus' new life, he had a new view of his own death. When he saw the Savior, he saw his own salvation. He could depart in peace because Jesus had given him peace. Job, you know the story of Job, the trials that he had been through and everything that he went through in his life. He said the same thing many years before. In Job chapter 19 and verse 25, he said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Boy, if that is not something that helps you die in peace, I don't know what is. The fact that the moment you take your last breath on this earth, you're going to take your first breath in heaven, and you're going to see your Redeemer, you're going to see God. I don't say this to brag on myself, but on Jesus, I don't fear death. I don't have to fear death. I love life, and I love living life. If you ever see a suicide note next to my body, do some research, because it was forged. I'm not going to take my own life. I love life, and I love living life, but I'm looking forward to the day when my number is called, because this is not the end. This is just the beginning. My father-in-law used to say all the time, the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was given eternal life, and I have not used a minute of it yet. You know the song, I remember when my burdens rolled away. I had carried them for years, night and day. When I sought the blessed Lord and I took him at his word, then at once all my burdens rolled away. I remember when my burdens rolled away that I feared would never leave, night or day. Jesus showed to me the loss, so I left them at the cross. I was glad when my burdens rolled away. I remember when my burdens rolled away that had hindered me for years, night and day. As I sought the throne of grace, just a glimpse of Jesus' face, and I knew that my burdens could not stay. I'm singing since my burdens rolled away. There's a song within my heart night and day. I am living for my king, and with joy I shout and sing, hallelujah, all my burdens rolled away. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. I don't have to fear death. Because the death of Jesus Christ on the cross made it possible for me to have the assurance of life after death. Boy, this, this the death is just a, a doorway into eternity. What, what is there to fear about death if I'm just going to live forever after it happens? There's nothing to fear about it. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20 says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross... By him to reconcile all things unto himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Boy, so how can you have that hope? You have to recognize that you're a sinner and that there's payment for that sin. And that's the part that a lot of people don't like to come to terms with. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not, I'm not disputing that fact. I haven't run into too many people who are not good people. Every once in a while, you run into somebody that you know is just not a very good person. But most people are generally good most people generally have good intentions. Most people try to be kind to other people and, and help other people. I'm not saying that you're not a good person, but the fact that we are a sinner means that we cannot get into heaven. Even one sin is enough to keep us out of heaven. God can't look upon sin. And if God can't look upon sin, then it doesn't matter if you have one or one million sins to your account. God cannot accept that into heaven. That payment is death for all of eternity, spending eternity in hell. And that's why most people fear death so much. They don't, they don't have the assurance of their salvation because they've never had their sins forgiven. But Jesus Christ died on the cross 
to deliver you from that punishment. You don't have to fear death if you'll ask for forgiveness for your sins. That's what repentance is all about. It's a genuine turning from your sin and turning to Christ as your only hope. It's not about doing more good things or less bad things. Then that would be on me. It's all about Jesus Christ. And my sin is what made Jesus Christ have to go to the cross. And when he went to the cross that day, not only was he whipped and beaten and tortured and, and had the crown of thorns pushed on his head and spit upon and, and had his beard ripped out and all of the other things that we read about in the account of, of, of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that would be bad enough if that's all he suffered. But Jesus took the weight of the entire sin of the entire world on his shoulders on that day. And for the first time in all of eternity, God the Father turned his back on God the Son. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Could you imagine what that must have felt like for Jesus as he hung on the cross? And as he hung there and they, they, they put vinegar up to his mouth when he was thirsty, and they took the spear and shoved it into his side. He was there because of me, because of my sin. Had I never sinned, Jesus Christ never would have had to die. Somebody had to make a payment for that sin. Somebody had to be the scapegoat. Somebody had to be the lamb that was sacrificed to be able to forgive those sins. And Jesus Christ willingly became that lamb. He willingly became that sacrifice. For me and for you. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, a couple of verses later says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, you call upon the name of the Lord and hope that one day when God says it's your time to go, that you'll stand before him and hope that he'll let you into heaven. Oh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word shall is not, a, there's no question about it. It's going to happen. It must happen. And this is God saying it. He's going to keep his word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not trying to be morbid this morning. I don't mean to bring your spirits down, but this is something that you have to consider before it's too late. It may not be your typical Christmas presentation, but it is the Christmas message. Jesus Christ came to give you life and hope and peace. Simeon may not be your typical Christmas character, but he embodies the whole reason that Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to die so that when your time comes to die, you can die with hope and you can die with peace by accepting Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You can never truly enjoy Christmas until you can look up into the Father's face and tell him that you've received his Christmas gift. Jesus Christ was that Christmas gift, the ultimate gift. Every one of us probably by this point have opened up the presents that we're going to get for Christmas Day. And maybe you got a nice gift. Maybe you got something that was expensive. Maybe you got something that was worth a whole lot this Christmas. But there's no greater gift that's ever been given 
than the gift that God gave us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't like to think about dying, but it's going to come someday. There will be a moment when I take my last breath. There will be a moment when I'm laid in the ground. There will be a moment when there is no longer a me on this earth. And most people are afraid of that moment. You don't have to be. Jesus Christ came and was born of a virgin, born as a baby, in what we see Simeon said, Lord, now lettest thy servant die in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That's a gift that's being offered to every single one of us in this auditorium this Christmas morning. Won't you accept that gift? Won't you be able to look up in the Father's face and tell him, I've accepted the gift that you gave me. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. If you've not done that, now is the time. There is no better day to receive the gift of Jesus Christ than today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you so much for an opportunity we have to be here this morning. I do pray that if there is somebody in this room this morning that does not know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, that they'd get that taken care of today. God, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for being willing to come down and to dwell with us so that we might have the assurance of a home in heaven someday and so that we might not have to fear death, so that we can look forward to the day we take our last breath on this earth because it'll be the first day of something far better. Thank you again for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you